Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Today just happens to be Simkatora. And Simkatora is a special holiday uh, that God's given us where we celebrate the Torah. Simka means joy. Joy of the Torah, rejoicing in the Word of God. How many of you today are rejoicing in the Word of God? Every precious promise that He's given is ours. It's yes and amen to those that believe. And so Simcha Torah uh, is the day that the whole Jewish community, and now you and I are starting to learn about these things, they gather together in synagogues to express their love, their joy, their rejoicing for the Word of God. Amen? And so uh, part of the reason why is because we've just come through the fall holidays. And we've just got the 30 days of Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. And so we've completed the seven major feasts of the Lord. It's been a year-long cycle of the feasts of the Lord, each one of them leading us into another aspect of God's power to redeem us. We're redeemed from the curse, right? We're redeemed from the hand of the enemy, right? And so the feasts show us these things, and now we've gone through seven major feasts. And so uh, on the eighth day of Sukkot, there's Simkatorah. We're rejoicing that God's word is true, and we're celebrating the promises of God. It's also the end of the Torah cycle. The official end, the last Torah portion, has been read this week. And so it marks the completion of a year-long annual cycle of reading that God gives us. And so the holiday conveys a clear message about how important it is to have the Bible. Don't let the Bible be a relic with lots of dust on it on your coffee table. Amen? And so in synagogues, lots of singing and dancing. When uh, David danced before the Lord, he danced because he brought the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, from uh, uh, up in Shiloh down to Jerusalem. And there was great joy, and he danced before the Lord. And so both Jews and Gentiles alike know with absolute certainty that the Torah which is God's word, is a precious gift to be celebrated. Amen? And not only that, the the Bible, the Torah, is essential for us to know who we are in the kingdom of God. Your, Your spiritual identity is the most important identity you can have. Right? Right now in the world, there's something called identity politics. And groups are trying to categorize us into different colors, into different uh, groups, and bring division. 
We're all united in one, uh, every race, every tribe, every nation is united under the banner of the Word of God. By the Spirit of God. We are all one family. There's not a Baptist family and a, a Protestant family. There's not a white family and a black family. We're all one family. And so God gives us the Bible to establish our spiritual identity, and that spiritual identity transcends political identity, financial identity, even family identity. Who is my brother? Who is my mother? Who's your daddy? God Almighty, that's exactly right. And so, not, not that we reject our family, but in, in the grand scheme, the priority is my loyalties are to my heavenly Father first. God first. And then family. And so, even if our family doesn't agree with everything that we do, we still love them, we pray for them, we minister to them, we don't blow them out with a turn or burn theology. Are we all in agreement? And if you can't resist, then stay home and love them from afar until you work that thing out. I wish I had followed that advice as a young believer. So the Bible, the Torah, is the foundation of everything we believe. Everything we stand for is in the pages of this book. The B-I-B-L-E. It's what creates our attitude. It what, it's, it's what creates our outlook on life, our focus, what we're, what we're living for. And uh, it's the source of eternal life. And also abundant life. I thank God eternal life happens in, in the twinkling of an eye. In a heartbeat, a man can pray a prayer and receive salvation and eternal life. Don't have to work that out over 32 classes. But abundant life is a different deal. Positionally, in theory, on paper, we have abundant life. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come to give you abundant life. Zoe life, the God kind of life, overflowing, unlimited. There's no limit to what God can do and wants to do in us and through us. Can you say amen to that? That'll get the joy of the Torah stirring up in you. Why do you always go to church? Why are you caring about it? Because there's something joyful about it. Knowing that I'm a winner, not a loser. Knowing I can do all things. Knowing no man controls my destiny. Knowing that my steps are ordered by God Almighty, not by government. Amen. So thank God for the word. And so when you think about it, the Torah begins, and a big chunk of the Torah is telling a love story. It's telling us how God so loved the world. It's telling us how God so loved Israel. It starts with Israel. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And 4,000 years ago, when God called Abraham out of his country to go to a promised land, he didn't know what, what to expect. He didn't have it all planned out at the beginning. He heard the voice of God. He was seeking God. He was hungering and thirsting after the things of God, just like you are. And God took him on a journey, and he didn't have the, the complete road map. But by faith, he trusted God. And it tells that story of the nation of Israel and how the nation of Israel was to be a light to all the nations, right? Israel was supposed to be the prototype for every nation. It's amazing that only one nation besides Israel ever really was formed to be one nation under God. It was Israel, and then a couple hundred years ago, it was America. Did Israel do everything right? Ask Ahab and Jezebel. (laughs) They had their problems, right? Has America done everything right? No. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. Let's fix our problems. Let's stand in faith. Let's be unified, the united States. Well, what are we united around? The problems we have of being united stem from the fact that we have not rejoiced in the Torah. We forgot Simcha Torah. And when we get back to remembering that we're one nation under God and we're a, a nation of people that honors uh, the Bible... You can have a different religion if you want to worship Buddha or you want to worship Satan. We're not going to uh, burn you at the stake. But we're not going to let your theology dominate the reason that America was founded. In God, big G, we trust. Right? And so... That's why it's called the good news, but it's also why people don't like it, because not everybody wants to be told what to do. Psalm 119, verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your Torah. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies. So even though there's enemies out there, and they have their philosophy, and they have their uh, set of rules, and they have their wisdom and knowledge, our wisdom and knowledge that comes from God is greater than theirs. Amen? That's why God told Daniel, I'm going to make you ten times smarter than all of Nebuchadnezzar's wise men. And we prophesy that to this day over our kids and grandkids. Thank you, Lord, that we are ten times smarter than the world. And that comes from loving the Torah. That comes from basing your life on the things of God. And that's why it goes on to say in Psalm 119.105, Your word is what? A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many of you have found that true today? Amen. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Praise God.
Now, the Torah typically is referred to uh, as the first five books of Moses. In the Hebrew Bible, we know it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, in Hebrew, it's the Humash. One of the great reference books that you could ever put in your library is the Humash, the blue book that Paula has in the bookstore and uh, it has it's the Hebrew version of the Bible with all of the ancient notes from all of the wisest rabbis in all of Jew, uh, Jewish history all of their notes you need almost a magnifying glass to see it but boy is it rich in wisdom, and it opens your eyes to new things about uh, our Judeo-Christian history. Uh, in Greek, it's called the Pentateuch, the first five books, the Pentateuch. But there's 54 uh, Torah readings throughout the year. Plus, there is a corresponding prophetic reading, and then in what the handout that we give away uh, with all of those listed for the year, there's also a New Testament reading. And uh, uh, the title of each of these Torah portions, or what's called the parashah, the portion, uh, is from the first couple of words as each of those portions start. And from the beginning of the, uh, the first verse... And so on Simcha Torah, today, the joy of the Torah, the final portion has been read, and we immediately cycle into Genesis 1. Uh, and, uh, and so we'll get into that uh, a little today and then uh, 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 next Sunday. But according to ancient wisdom, it was Ezra. And the great assembly, 120 uh, of the uh, elders uh, in Israel way back in the 5th century B.C., that uh, they're credited with creating this system of studying the Torah uh, each week with a different reading. So they charted it all out and made a schedule. And it's, it's taught out of Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. If you're uh, taking notes, Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had set his heart on studying and practicing the Torah of Adonai and teaching Israel the laws and rulings. And so out of that comes these 54 readings and beyond. Uh, but here's the thing. Well, I, I went through Torah uh, one, one year, so why do I have to do it again? I hope you didn't ask that question. Why do I have to study the Word of God again? Uh, there's a great uh, uh, concept in Judaism called 70 facets of Torah. Torah is like a diamond. And there's all kinds of facets. It's all kinds of wisdom and revelation. And our journey as believers in the Most High God is to unlock those secrets. And not everything is, is unlocked in one year. Who can say, I've already learned the wisdom of God? Can you look at the Lord and say, Lord, I don't need to learn anymore. I already know it all. The man that says, or the woman that says, I already heard that, shows how much uh, they really don't know. 
So don't be that guy. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, well, what, what does the New Testament say? Oh, lots of things. But one of the things is faith comes by what? And if you read it in the Amplified, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. I kind of learned that lesson raising kids. They kept hearing and hearing and hearing. <laughs> Now if you would just start doing and doing and doing and doing, right? Don't just be hearers, Pastor James said, but learn from that hearing to become doers. Now, um, the way that Jews understand Torah is totally different than most of us raised in Christianity. The Hebrew word Torah in most Christian Bibles is translated law and it means or conjures up the idea of legalism. And so immediately we get out our spiritual Mr. Yuck stickers. And every time we think about Old Testament things, we just want to cancel it all out and, and warn people, don't read that, don't understand that. Here's a spiritual Mr. Yuck sticker to put on that scripture. Not a good decision, but we've been uh, uh, the product of that kind of doctrine since back uh, when the last apostle died. The word Torah uh, comes from the word yara, which is an archery term that means to aim, to shoot, to point at. And so God is telling us that the Torah are the targets that we aim at to hit the mark. If we want to hit more marks in our life, how many of you want more bullseyes in your life? Man, that was dead on. Then we need to understand Torah. We need to understand divine principles. It's ironic that uh, sin has uh, come to mean missing the mark. So Torah means to hit the mark, and sin means to miss the mark. I had enough living... Without God and enough missing the mark, I had enough of that. I don't need to go back and try that anymore. Amen? I got one that's right and a couple nods, but can I get a big amen? Amen. So, there was this medieval doctrine. wonder why they call it medieval. Because there was pre-evil, medieval, and post-evil. And we, we still have, a, a, the church by and large is still under this medieval doctrine uh, that says the Old Testament and the Torah is bad. But if you just stop and think about it, that contradicts Jesus. How many of you know Jesus isn't confused? If there's confusion, it didn't come from God. It comes from man attempting to rewrite what God said and make it mean something different. Like there's a certain political party right now that has um, evangelicals for us. And yet the, the, when the evangelicals are asked about abortion, 
and some other moral things, they somehow are able to do like Muhammad Ali's rope-a-dope. And they're able to rope-a-dope people into thinking, well, we're for the political party that wants to teach my little grandson, uh, uh, Zakai, that he's a boy on Tuesday, but he might be a girl on Thursday. But we're evangelicals for Christ and support that. Well, we're willing to overlook abortion. We're willing to overlook these moral things. If Christians aren't moral, what are we? If we don't stand for what God says, what are we? Well, I don't want to read that part. I put a Mr. Yuck sticker over it. I couldn't get a shipment of white out to white out all the scriptures that I don't want to listen to. But I'm for the people that are anti-church, anti-Christ, but I'm an evangelical. My gosh. And the church is behind a lot of that. Because we've been told Jesus came to void out half, actually more than half of the Bible. Let me just show you. Here is, hang on Sloopy. Here is where Matthew starts. And of course, the back of it is filled with notes. But uh, three quarters of our Bible is the laws of Moses and the prophets. That's the wisdom of God, folks. All Scripture. Not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the rest of it. All Scripture has been given by God. And all scriptures, 2 Timothy 3.16, is profitable. It'll do you good. It'll guide you. It'll lead you. It'll steer you clear of all the pitfalls of life. And you'll hit the mark more often than not. How can that be bad? So Jesus contradicts the medieval doctrine that the Old Testament and the Torah uh, are yucky. Here's what it says in Matthew 5, 17. This is from the Passion Translation. This is Jesus talking. If you think I've come to set aside the laws of Moses or the writings of the prophet, you're mistaken. Now, I wonder if he meant that. I wonder if Jesus was just having a bad day and somebody heard him say that and wrote it down, and but he really didn't mean that, and boy, if he could have a do-over. He said, I've come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that's been written. All that's been written. Indeed, I assure you, as long as heaven and earth endure, not even the smallest detail of the law will be done away with until its purpose is complete. Are we doing okay, or are you nervous we're a cult? Jesus said it, I'm nervous. How does that work? Whoever violates even the least important of the commandments and teaches others to do so will be the least esteemed in the realm of heaven's kingdom. But whoever obeys them and teaches their truths, God's laws are divine principles, they're truths to live by, so you hit the mark. 
Whoever teaches their truths to others will be greatly esteemed in the realm of heaven's kingdom. Amen. So obviously there's a primitive concept still alive in the church that the Torah has been abolished. It's been eliminated. But on the contrary, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all the wisdom of God. Yet, it's because the Gentiles began to outnumber the church, and they didn't want Israel to have the say-so. Have you ever in your marriage wanted the say-so? More than once. (laughs) And sometimes that doesn't work out too well. You you went Frank Sinatra on me. I'm going to do it my way. But starting in Genesis all the way through, God gives us things to aim at. Shows us how to hit the mark. Come on. We're we're in the process, in the journey, we're answering the question, how are we supposed to live? What's right? What's wrong? What are the behaviors, the morals, the attitudes that we're supposed to have as children of the living God? Are we doing it the right way or the wrong way? God doesn't lay all of that out there so we walk around beating ourselves up and feeling condemned. Look, if I'm doing it the wrong way, I want to know. If I'm heading down a path that seems right, but the end of it, there's the bridge is out. Arnold Schwarzenegger, true lies. The bridge is out. (laughs) How many people are struggling and heading down, then the bridge is out. Get, get back to the Word. Get back to the Bible. Find out what principles you're violating or you're ignoring or never knew about. And start reworking that thing and become transformed. Become transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And look, that's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Wished it did. Wish we could just go bam, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. I've got it all. It takes a lifetime. But the other thing we need to realize is that the Torah is a covenant. Right? It's a legal and binding contract is the word of God. God made a contract with mankind. And there's terms to the contract. And... When you get born again and you sign your name to that contract, you can't now go in and say, God, that part of the contract I don't like, I want you to change it. That's not how it works. God is Almighty God, He sets up the system and structure. Our job isn't to go in and have Him rewrite history. God, I want you to rewrite history. I don't like that part. I want you to write it so I can be more happy to do what I want to do. Lord. And the contract shows us how to enter into eternal life and also how to enter into abundant life. It points us to the Messiah. Every book of the Bible has Jesus in it. 
Every book of the Bible has another revelation about the work of the Messiah. And it all began with the Jewish people and the Torah. And now it's been extended to you and I. Listen to this scripture in Ephesians 2.11. Don't forget that you were not born as Jews and were uncircumcised. You had none of the Jewish covenants and laws. This is Paul speaking to Gentiles. Don't forget, you you weren't born as a Jew. You don't know anything. You were foreigners to Israel's incredible heritage. You were without the covenants and prophetic promises of the Messiah, the promised hope, and without God. Yet look at you now. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. You have actually been united to Christ. Amen? So what's going on there? It's that Gentiles had no covenant. They were distant and far away until the blood of the Messiah allowed them to come into the heritage, the structural framework of everything God had given Israel. And it's interesting in that ancient Jewish literature, there was an appointed time for God to give the Torah. And when you read through like the Humash that I mentioned earlier, It teaches that God offered the Torah to various nations before he offered it to Israel. Isn't that amazing? God went to other nations before he went to Israel and said, Do you want to follow my Torah? And those nations refused. Because each of them had the idea that the Torah would limit their ability to live life without joy and happiness. How are we going to follow your laws and be happy? They argued it would be too restrictive and restraining. But then God offered it to the Jews. And there's a great scripture, you may have heard this uh, from Pastor Larry, referred to Exodus 24, 7. We will do, and then we will understand. Do you want to receive my Torah, Jewish people, Israel? We'll take your Torah, even if we don't understand it. See, they had been slaves for over 200 years in Egypt. They had almost lost the promise God gave to Abraham 400 years earlier. The the Pharaoh at that time intentionally forgot how a little Hebrew slave saved their whole nation and the world from a severe famine that would have wiped out everybody. So with that selective amnesia, he began imposing decrees on the Jewish people in Egypt, even imposed a final solution, throwing babies to drown in the Nile River. Pharaoh was worshipped as God. He was considered the one true God. He was the supreme authority. So the Jewish faith couldn't be practiced because if you believe in Jehovah and his son Jesus Christ, 
as the one true God, then you're in conflict with the state. And so the Jewish faith was considered non-essential. It was criminal. And they began to replace all of that with state-sponsored worship. There was no freedom to assemble. As Jewish people in Egypt, in, in bondage and slavery, you had no right to worship Jehovah. No freedom of speech. There was no voting on it. Well, Pharaoh, we want to revote. Just mail us out all the ballots, and if you could, mail out an extra 500,000 so we can vote twice. There's no school choice. You couldn't send your kids to a school and educate them about Jehovah. You were sent to school to be educated about the state philosophy. Somebody said it sounds familiar. What about my rights? <laughs> you have no rights. And whatever judicial system you appeal to ain't going to listen to you anyways. And all of a sudden, Moses shows up. My deliverer cometh. The time of redemption had ar- uh, arrived. And the first Passover, the great exodus... Uh, The miracles of God set the people free from all of that bondage, all of that state-sponsored insanity. And guess what? They willingly followed the clouds of glory out into the desert. They didn't have GPS. They didn't have all the plans. They didn't sit down and negotiate everything with the Lord. Well, if I'm coming, I need this, that, and the other thing. It was, I am so done with Pharaoh in Egypt. Whatever you got for us, Lord, lay it on me. Wherever I got to do, whatever I got to do, wherever I got to go, I'm with you. I'm in it forever. And so what did God do? He brought them to Mount Sinai. And he offered them the opportunity of a lifetime, the deal of the century. Serve me, follow my Torah, and I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. And the Jewish people said, I don't understand how it all is going to work. I don't understand all of what's in the covenant, but we're all in. Amen? That's kind of how it worked for me, for Lydia, back in uh, the 80s when we gave our lives to the Lord. I had spent 15 years of riotous living. My motto was party hardy. I wasn't living for the weekend. Every day was the weekend. And I had my fill of drugs and alcohol to the point I was broke, busted, and disgusted. And I had nowhere to turn. And in one of my darkest hours in life, I heard the message of the gospel. But it wasn't a turn or burn message. It was kind of like the message that God gave Israel at Mount Sinai. I want to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. All you got to do is enter into an agreement with me that you'll follow me and not the ways of the world. (laughs) That's all? (laughs) Where do I sign? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had smoked everything you could smoke. I had drank everything you could drink. I did it day in and day out for 15 years. 
Started in seventh grade and just kept going and going and going. I was a functional alcoholic druggie. And somehow I made it to this point in my life. Because I made a decision to serve the Lord, the God of the Bible, the God of the Torah. And I know everyone here has a similar testimony. Praise God. When we walked into that church in Seattle and gave our lives to the Lord, we found a brand new way of living. I never knew any of this stuff. One of the first things we learned is that believers can pray in tongues. That very first morning, sitting in the church, the people sitting next to us that became good friends of ours, uh, they were praying in a language I'd never heard before. And I'm just an old stoner and alky sitting there uh, listening. I'm thinking, what the heck is that? But then about 60 minutes later, I began to do the same thing. On that very morning, when we gave our lives to the Lord, I began to pray in tongues. I got the full meal deal the very first morning. So did Lydia. I wished everybody who came to an altar call not only got Jesus Christ uh, as the Lord of Savior, but also got the power of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of praying in tongues. And just like Israel, we had the attitude... We decided to follow Jesus. We don't understand it all. We don't understand anything. But we're going to follow the Lord with all of our heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll help you hit lots of targets. That's the joy of the Lord. And that's one of the key revelations uh, that we tapped into that relates to Simcha Torah, the joy of the Torah. When you fall in love with Jesus, you technically, religiously, spiritually, theologically, you fall in love with the Word. When you fall in love with Jesus, you fall in love with the Word. Jesus is the living word. He's the living Torah. In the beginning was the Torah, and the Torah was with God, and the Torah was God. Then the Torah became a human being and dwelt among us. That's the gospel. It became our gospel. It became good news to us. I pray it's good news to you. We've been rejoicing over it since then. Since 1984, we've been rejoicing. We have the living words of God. And if there was one principle that I wish everyone that attends New Beginnings could have is that after you give your life to the Lord, You need to build a lifelong relationship with Jesus, but Jesus is the Word, so you really need to build a lifelong relationship with the Word. 
And when you go through the Torah cycle and you're studying every week another aspect of the Word of God, it enriches us. It empowers us. It enlightens us. It gives us spiritual vision, spiritual courage. It builds us in faith. It builds us with confidence. We walk away with the, the, the momentum that I can do all things. As we start the new Torah cycle, Genesis 1 begins, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, one, and God said, two, let there be light. Notice the Spirit of God was moving before God spoke. This is important. Nothing happened until God said. Creation didn't take place until God spoke. The Holy Ghost was there ready to move. And then God spoke and creation happened. This is the principle, the very first principle in the Bible. Speaking God's word over our life and circumstances is what causes things to be created. Eternal life, abundant life comes when we begin to speak the Torah, speak the Bible, speak God's word over our life. It says in Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed. By the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. There's the principle. Creation. You frame your world with the word of God. That's your frame of reference. The word of God. Your problem isn't your frame of reference, although your flesh and the devil and probably some good friends want to make everything about your problem. What's your problem? I'm not going to be defined by my issues. I have issues. Well, burn that t-shirt. Let Lydia make you a new one. Jesus fixed my issues. (laughs) God's word coming out of your mouth is meant to be as powerful as it's coming out of his mouth. Amen? Because his word has the power to change people. It has the power to transform a sinner into a saint. It has the power to transform someone who is weak into someone who is strong. It has the power to transform someone who's sick into someone who is healed. Hallelujah. It has the power to transform someone who is poor into someone who is rich. And it has the power to transform someone that has no vision into someone that's bursting with vision. Come on. The Word of God. You apply the word of God to the temporary things of this world, right? 
all the negative circumstances in this world and those temporary circumstances have to give way to the living word of God. Right? Jesus is the truth. And the truth is the power of God in you can defeat any power of the enemy hands down. Not even close. The power of God, the power of the devil are not neck and neck. Not going to be no photo finish. Oh, we won by a nose. Jesus had such faith in the Torah that when he spoke, the material world obeyed his commands. Demons fled. Diseases disappeared. Bread multiplied. Storms stopped. Death gave up its grip. He defeated the devil by saying, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Rejoice in the Torah, Simcha Torah. Every word that comes out of my mouth that's in alignment with the Bible defeats every enemy. It begins to cause strongholds to collapse. And the the works of darkness that has held people in bondage, all of a sudden those things are going down to Chinatown. Had to see the movie. See, victorious faith is a language. Right? Believers need to have a language based on God's Word. But churches don't teach, traditional church doesn't teach that. Just accept your lot in life and suffer until Jesus comes. If you got it made, you got it made. If you were born on the wrong side of the tracks, can't help you. Hope Jesus comes soon so that, you know, you get out of your circumstances. I don't want anybody praying like that over me. Well, Scott, you're sick and dying and I don't think you're going to make it. Wish you the best of luck. God's word is unchangeable. His promises are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we begin to speak God's word that's unchangeable, it begins to change what the devil wants you to think are unchangeable circumstances. Well, I tried that, but by 5 o'clock it didn't work, so I went to call 1-800-CLEO. Don't call 1A. You don't need no California psychic. Well, maybe, the, maybe horoscopes will help me. No, they won't. Maybe if I get one of those Jesus nightlights and just bow to that, that'll change the course of my life. No, it won't. You need to stand on the unchangeable word of God and put that word in your heart, put that in your mouth, and say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. And it creates an attitude. And your spiritual attitude determines your spiritual altitude. 
And so as we close today, let me give you 12 things to speak over yourself, to govern your life, and to guide your attitude. 12 is the number for government, the biblical number for government. So here's 12 things to help you successfully govern your life. Say these every day. Make your own list. Just do one of them. But here's 12 every day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Number two, thank you, Lord. All things work together for good in my life. Number three, God's plans for me are good and they give me a hope for a good future. Number four, I have the mind of Christ and am guided by his purposes. Number five, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Number six, the peace of God guards my heart and my mind through Jesus Christ. Number seven, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Twelve things we're talking about that, that from the word of God that will govern your life, govern your attitude. Number eight, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Number nine, by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. Number ten, I am blessed because I bless Israel. Number 11, the blessing of the Lord maketh me rich and adds no sorrow to it. And number 12, I am created in God's image and created for good works. Amen. Amen. Well, do you receive those this morning? Let's rejoice in the Torah together. Give the Lord a big hand clap as we close. Praise God.